This is Stories of Strength by MuscleTech, personal and inspirational tales that redefine strength. Welcome back to Stories of Strength, a podcast where we share personal and inspirational tales that redefine strength. I'm your host, Jay Cardiello, and this week I am joined by former member of the U.S. Women's National Soccer Team and founder of Sweat Cosmetics, Leslie Osborne. After obstacles and an injury cut her Olympic career short, she fought her way back to pitch as a member of the FC Gold Pride, Boston Breakers, and Chicago Red Stars. In 2014, Leslie announced her retirement from the game, and today she is here to discuss what she has been up to. Leslie, it's an honor to have you on this show. How are you today? Good. Thanks for having me. Um, doing great. I love taking a little break in my day and, and what an honor to be on this podcast. So thanks for having me. Oh, that's great. So I want to jump right in. For those who don't know about the injury, take us back to 2008. What actually happened? Boy, uh... I'll never forget the day. It was two days after making the Olympic team and I had previously been cut in 2004. So we were having an inner squad scrimmage. I was playing for the U S women's national team down in LA. And I was actually, I had lost the ball to a defender, my good friend, Heather Mitz. And I was actually defending her, which she should have been defending me, but maybe that was the problem. But part of my body went one way, but I wanted to also go the other way at the same time. And all I remember is hearing this big pop. And I knew right away at that moment that I tore my ACL. I fell to the ground. It wasn't like it hurt or anything. I just, I knew at that moment, I think my teammates and, and my good friends were like, Leslie, stay positive, which I'm, I'm a very positive person to begin with. But I just knew, I knew that pop and what people had described that pop, what that pop meant. And what ended up happening was not only did I tear my ACL in my left leg, but I had actually torn all of the ligaments in my ankle. So Um, I had a long recovery ahead of me. Um, And so obviously I did not play in that Olympics, but what ended up happening in the next few weeks is just meeting with doctors. And um, four out of the five doctors I met with said that I would never play professional soccer again. And only one of those doctors allowed me to do the surgery at the same time where they would do my ACL reconstruction as well as my knee. And so I would have both surgeries at the same time, which would take five hours Um, most of the doctors wanted to do one and then the other, but I was like, I would be out for like two years. So anyways, long story short, I, um, had surgery and, and pretty much repaired my entire left leg. I was in a cast in a boot and, um, uh, an ankle brace for, I didn't walk for three months. Um, I was on crutches and I had to kind of reteach myself how to walk again, how, to run again. Um, and just being Mm -hmm. excited every day at rehab that I could move my knee or my ankle, like, uh, you know, uh, this much degree. And that would be like a big day for me. So, um, yeah, it happened in, in 2008 and I had to watch my team win, um, the gold medal in Beijing actually along with, um, one of my former teammates, Abby Wambach, who had broke her leg as well. So luckily we had, we had to get through it together and had to go through rehab. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was a difficult time. Now you were cut from the 2014. Would you say that was harder or the defining moment for you in terms of resilience or was it the injury in 2008? Oh my God. Um, I would say 2004 was um, the best learning experience I've ever had in my life um, to take off a year in college, to leave your, your boyfriend, your teammates, to go to residency with your role models. I mean, I was playing alongside Mia Hamm, Brandy Chastain, Julie Foudy, to have that experience, to take off a year of school, and then to be cut 
and say, you're not good enough. You don't have enough experience. I think for me, that was the first time in my life that I had like fell out of love with the game. I had zero confidence. Um, and it took me a while to find that passion again and to come back to my college season, my senior year to find that love again and to be told you're not good enough and to be cut and be told you just don't have enough experience. That was, that was difficult when you put, you know, your whole life on hold and you go after something with 110% and it doesn't work out for you. But I look at that as a defining moment in my career. And I think that honestly, without that experience, I don't, think I would have handled 2008 as well. Um, in 2008, going through that, that was extremely difficult. Um, but I remember when people would feel really bad for me. Like I remember people being like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like people were so sympathetic for me, but also I, I didn't like it. I was like, listen, this is devastating. And as you know, being an athlete, like that's what you train for. You train for world cups and you train for Olympics. So when you miss that moment, that's like, it's devastating. But I remember thinking, gosh, there's so many worse things that could happen to me. I could be sick. I could have gotten way worse injured. And I, I just remember having perspective. And I think in 2004 helped me find that resilience and that perspective and that mentality and attitude to get through what I got, in, got through in 2008. You know, that reminds me in, two, in 1996, I broke my spine and I had 16 surgeries just to learn to walk again. And I remember wow. it was, it was at that time, you know, I missed the 1996 nationals. I missed the Olympics and everything. And it, it was a very hard time, but it, but it, everything was put in perspective and it was just learning to walk again. And that was my greatest achievement. So I give you a lot of credit for what you've been through and, and where you are today. What's one message you can give people struggling with overcoming obstacles? Take it day by day. I, I think it's really hard to, to do that. I think we all think so far ahead of, of like, how am I going to get through this? How am I going to learn how, what if I don't get better or what's my road to recovery look like? And I, I think looking back at all of the challenges and injuries I've gone through, especially 2008, I remember just thinking day by day, it, it, just baby steps, have little goals. Don't, yeah. don't go out there and be like, I want to run again mm -hmm. and know that you're nine months out from that, you know? And I think that if you have little goals and you go day by day and you celebrate those little wins, that will give you momentum and confidence. And honestly, just give you that encouragement to keep going. Cause if you don't have those on a daily basis, it's really hard to keep pushing. And at the end of the day, pushing is hard and getting through really difficult times is, 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 is obviously extremely difficult. And so if you can try to pick yourself up and give yourself, you know, some credit and have little baby goals and steps that as you accomplish, it, it just gives you that momentum to go out there and, and continue doing it. And then you look back and you're like, look what I did. Look, look how I got through that from my support system, from my resiliency, from my mentality and all those things. So I would just say, Take it day by day and, 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 and don't be hard on yourself and have little goals sure, that sure. you can achieve to keep you progressing. Sure. That's a great, it's, it's great. You're now an entrepreneur with a cosmetic line. What are some of the similarities and differences that you see with being an athlete? Oh, so many. Um, I think only hmm. athletes sometimes are crazy enough to just be like, yeah, we're going to go from playing professional sports to like creating our own company. Like that's part of one of the characteristics that I think that made us so successful on the field is, you know, being a go-getter, we've all achieved success at, at, at a very high level. And so all of those innate qualities that we may have not realized that helped us be so successful on the field have helped us in the business world. Um, I think our teamwork, being part of a team, there's four of us. So having multiple teammates and co-founders 
for us works. Not everybody can do that, but from since we're comfortable being around a team and that's really what we thrived in, I think that transition was smoother. I think just our mentality, our work rate, our our coachability, our hey, you know what? We're going to have really difficult days, but we're going to bounce back, we're going to pivot and we're going to figure it out. That tenacity that was born in us and what helped us be successful at the college level, professional mm-hmm. level, um, have really helped us, you know, get to this point. And, you know, we go back talking about resiliency and all those things that skill sets that we had as athletes. I mean, they carry over so, so similarly, like, you know, we'll have great days and, and we'll have bad days, but, you know, don't get too high. Don't get too low, you know, you know, stay consistent and stable. And, um, I, I just, I'm so thankful for sports and and for what they did for my life. My husband was a professional soccer player and I look at just our life and and the way that we tackle each day. And I, I'm so thankful both in the entrepreneur world, being a mother, um, everything that sports, both individual sports, um, taught me and also team sports. And I know that sweat cosmetics, we wouldn't be standing here today if I don't think if we had that backbone of being athletes, when it comes down to it, it's that nitty gritty mentality that we're going to figure it out and we're going to figure out a way. And you're going to maybe tell us no, but that's fine. We're going to figure out a way to have someone say yes, you know? And so I think that's just a special quality that top athletes have. So give me a quick oversight of sweat cosmetics. Yeah, I would love to. Um, We founded the company when we were playing. Um, We struggled finding products that could protect us from the sun, but also make us look good and feel good. And we felt like we had to choose between wearing makeup or sunscreen. And I'm sure you have this problem as well is when you wear sunscreen and you run and work out, what does it do? It runs in your eyes. It burns your eyes. It makes you break out. It's just a hot mess. And we couldn't really believe there was nothing on the market geared for active women. And after talking to former teammates, our friends, you know, even our our relatives or our family members that were older, everyone was kind of searching for a similar product. Like, how can we, we cannot wear something to make us look good and feel good, but also protect us from the sun. So we're kind of crazy. And what we did is we were like, well, we're going to go and create it ourselves. And it took us three years, (laughs) um, to do, but we did it. We, um, we uh, started when we were playing and we all transitioned out of playing professional sports to launch our company. And um, uh, we're a sunscreen and cosmetic brand for athletes and for active women. And we're, we're really the only true brand um, started by athletes for active women. I think our credibility and brand story behind our company has really helped us get to where we're at. We've, you know, trained, we've achieved at the highest level possible. We've gone through a year and a half of testing all of our products. So we know our products are amazing. Um, and we're really proud of what we built. And we're not trying to expand and be this huge cosmetic brand. We're just trying to stay authentic to who we are and really cater to active women. And whether that means you're actually like running marathons or that just means you're like running around all day chasing after your kids moms, women want to look good and feel good. And our products are designed for women on the go. They're easy to use. They come in twist brushes. There's SPF 30, um, zinc oxide, natural, broad spectrum, all these awesome ingredients. So you don't have to worry about what you're putting on your face. We got you. Oh, that's great. As an entrepreneur, what has been your biggest failure and what lesson did you learn from it? I would say the biggest failure is, um, we, after launch, six months after we launched, we signed with Sephora. And as I'm sure you know what Sephora is, uh, most men do. It's the number one or number two mm-hmm. beauty company in the world. Um, we 
that was our dream to be in Sephora or in Ulta. And I think as a small indie beauty brand, um, when we got presented the opportunity, we took it. We didn't do a whole lot of um, negotiating. We didn't try to make the best deal possible. I think for us, like we were just so fortunate to be part of their their brand. And um, looking back, I think that we learned so much from that lesson. Um, first of all, if if a situation or an agreement or contract is not um, you know, going to help your company out. You don't have to sign it. You have leverage. And I think that as a small, young company, we felt like we didn't have any leverage. And I think looking back, although it helped us so much in marketing and credibility and, and, and our brand story, you know, it really hurt us in terms of our inventory and how much we went through with Sephora. Our margins were lower with them. Um, and we never got any, um, they never pumped us. And, and, and Sephora is such a huge brand that it just didn't, work out the way that we ultimately thought. And so I think that was a big learning moment for us because we learned that going forward, any sort of retail partnership or negotiation that we had more leverage than we thought we did. Um, but I would also say that, you know, we're, we're going through difficult times on a weekly basis, you know, like, um, so that's a big, uh, Sephora was a big <laughs> situation, but like, as you know, there's things that come up every week that you're like waiting on a, packaging company and it gets lost in transit and you have a big PO you need to send out to we have Dick's Sporting Goods and we had a holdup and it was like, we're trying to figure out with Dick's, but also it was out of our complete control. So really trying to figure out like what's in our control and what's not in our mm. control and really trying to put more of our effort and time into things that we are in control of. Cause there's just certain things that are part of running your own company that you're just not in control of. And I think that's the hardest part as athletes we always we're, we're type A people. You want to know, okay, what do you have to do that day? This is what you need to do. And sometimes it just doesn't work like that. So I think that that's our biggest lesson is trying to go with the flow, control what we can and be adaptable and pivot when you have to. Now, so many of us were impacted by this year with the pandemic. How did COVID imp impact your work? Yeah. On a personal level, I was doing a, a bunch of TV before COVID. I, I worked for Fox Sports. I covered the last two women's World Cups. Um, and my last game was literally right before COVID and I haven't done a game since. So on a personal level, I don't see myself traveling as much and doing, I don't think there's going to be as many opportunities for me doing studio. Um, but on a professional level with sweat cosmetics, we actually did pretty well. I think a lot of, a lot of uh, people were staying at home, um, taking care of themselves. I think a lot of people mm -hmm. exercise more. They were outside more. People became more conscious of what they were putting on their skin in their household, because let's be honest, people spent way more time in their home than they had ever before. So I think a lot of sure. people became more conscious of, of all those things. And a lot of people were finding out about sweat cosmetics and, and, and living an active lifestyle and products that would help protect them from the sun. Um, and so for us, we made it through. So we're so thankful that we made it through because we know there's so many other small businesses that did not make it through. Um, and we are grateful that we are still standing and we have opportunities ahead of us. Um, so I think it's been an interesting year. I also had a baby. So I'm, I have a COVID baby. And so it's so interesting for oh, me. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. I mean, she's 14 months now. She was born in April, right when COVID started. And so, um, for me, it's been actually like a, it was an interesting time to have a baby. I, 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 looking back at it, I'm super thankful that, um, my girls 
and my family got to spend as much time together as we did. So overall, it was an interesting year, but grateful that, you know, we, we made it through as a company. Um, cause I think that, you know, that, that, that was, um, and, and I know everyone's still trying to figure out post COVID and how to work through it, but we're very grateful that we're still here. Oh, that is great. Now, I ask this question to every one of my guests. I'm very big into morning rituals. I'm part of that 5 a.m. club. I wake up, I do what we call an incantation where I say, by December 31st, 2021, I, Jay Cardio, will accomplish this. And then I journal. I may take an ice bath or workout. Do you have any morning rituals or how do you get yourself mentally ready for the day? I love that. My husband's part of that club too. Um, he's, I'd say 530, but yeah, I love that. Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, for me, I think the morning time, I love waking up early. Like I went to a hot yoga sculpt class this morning at 630. So I love to start off my day. I think a workout for me in, in meditation and yoga is super important and Shavasana. Um, if I can start my day off either getting some work done before the girls are up, or if I can get a workout in, it, it just makes my day that much better. Sometimes I don't have a choice. My sitter can only come in the afternoon and I'll have to work out during nap time, but I definitely feel a difference in my day. For me, um, the morning time is really like that opportunity to start my way or my day in a certain way. And whether it's accomplishing some emails or some you know personal stuff that I need to do or get a workout in, that it's one or the other. I I can't wake up with my kids and start off my day, getting them dressed and doing their hair and eating breakfast with them. I just, it doesn't start me off on the right foot. So I think it's really important. My husband and I both make it a priority that we work out every single day, not because, you know, we're trying to lose 10 pounds, but because it, 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 it makes us just the best version of ourselves. We're better husbands, wives, parents, entrepreneurs, everything. And Right now I'm wearing a lot of those hats and I need to be the best version of myself. So what is your greatest fear? Oh, my greatest fear. It could be heights. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, come back to that. I got to think about that. Okay, we'll come back to that. Okay. What are some keys to leadership? Keys to leadership for me, I feel blessed to have so many amazing leaders in my life at an early age, including Julie Foudy. And I think she just kind of changed that trajectory for me in terms of like, just having the best leader I could have ever imagined. Um, and when I look back at my soccer career and, and also now in the world that I'm in and, and what leaders that I just think are special and what characteristics come to mind, um, first and foremost, it's trust. I think that um, you have to have the trust of your, your leader and vice versa and the respect. Um, and if you don't have the respect and trust, I don't think that, you know, that leadership, um, ability is going to be, uh, it's just not going to come off the right way. Um, I love my type of leader is a positive leader. Um, I've always gravitated towards positive people. And I think when I look at the leaders that have really impacted me the most, I think about their positivity and their energy and their passion and how that shines through and how, you know, most of the time they would put their teammates in front of themselves and having that selflessness is something that, um, is a special quality that not a lot of people have. And, you know, we can ha all have a lot of bosses in our lives. We can all have a lot of captains in our lives if you're playing sports. But I think that when it, you talk about a true leader, it's someone that gets the best out of everybody and someone that can take a group and make the best out of that group. And um, for me, I, I tried to take some of the things that I learned from my, my previous captains and leaders and, and, 
and say, hey, at the end of the day, it's really about being yourself. Because if you're trying to be somebody you're not and be in a leadership mm. position, it's not going to come off the right way. So really being authentic into who you are. Because um, I think that that's the thing for me that really stands out um, when I think about, you know, what who a leader is and the best leaders that have been in my life. Sure. And now, now you're a sports broadcaster. Now you're seeing things from a different perspective. What are some of the biggest mistakes that you notice in player leadership as well as coaching leadership? Ooh. Oh gosh. It's so interesting. You know, when you're done playing and you've had so many coaches and now from a broadcast perspective, I'm, I'm watching my former team play right now at the Olympics. Right. And I'm not sure if you found, if you're following, but they've won lost and tied. I'm watching this new coaching staff who I have so much confidence in, but I look at things so differently now when I'm watching from afar, I know some of the, you know, internal stuff going on because they're my former teammates and I know the coaching staff, but I, I try to look at it and I can't help it from such a different angle now. And I think that the, the one thing I would share is the communication between a coach and players as easy and simple as it sounds can be the one thing that coaches miss. And if you don't have that communication and that trust mm. in communication, it's over, especially in women's sports. I've seen it time and time again. I've been part of it. And again, it's so overlooked. Oh yeah. Good communication. I mean, how many times do you say that, you know, like all the time, but what does that ultimately mean? And I think the more that you can communicate with your players, be transparent, have an open door policy. If players want to meet with you, you meet with them. You keep them up to date on how, where they're at, where they stand, what they need to get better at. And if you have that communication, that open line, honest communication, what that can do for a team's success, I think is the one thing being now at the broadcaster level that I still see is being missed. And it's, it's something that I, I think happens a lot in the workplace. So true. Too, but I think in sports in general, you look at some of the best coaches, Belichick, just some of the coaches, the best coaches you can think of. You think about that managerial position and how well they connect with their team. And I think a big reason is because of that communication and that transparency and that trust between players and coach. Wow. If you can go back and coach yourself, what's one aspect of the game you would focus on and why? And it could be mental. Yeah. Well, I, if I could go back, I think I would take some pressure off myself. Um, playing for the U.S. Women's National Team, playing mm -hmm. for the best team in the world, the pressure that came around that was immense. And I remember every day having this pit in my stomach, every training session, every, li every lifting session. We were, I mean, there were eyeballs on us all day, every day. And I remember just stressing myself out, like, that I had to play so good, or I had to play the way that the coach wanted me to play. And at the end of the day, I was there for a reason. I had my skill set and my strengths for a reason. I made that team for a reason. So the more that I tried to play to fit into a system or to maybe fit that number six personnel or whatever position I was playing, that's when I think I lost myself a little bit in terms of like, I got away from what I'm really good at, my strengths and what made me the player I was. And I tried to be other people. And I think when I look back and I go back again, I would be like, F it. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to be the best Leslie I can be. And <laughs> I know I can help this team. And ultimately, at the end of the day, if I don't get chosen to be part of this team, at least I put myself out there 100% rather than me trying to be other players or other 
skill sets that maybe weren't my strength. So, um, that for me, I think my husband and I talk about it all the time and I hate having regrets or hate, hate going back and thinking about, but I think that that turns into my biggest piece of advice to other female athletes and my daughters. I've got three daughters. Maybe one of them will play who knows, but I want to, I want to share that with them all the time. Mm -hmm. Just be the best version of you and remember that your strengths is what got you there. And that's, what's going to keep you there, you know, and the more pressure you put on yourself, I think that you're going to see it on the field. You want to be loose and having fun. And that's when you play your best. So how can you get to that point every day? That's, that's, that's the, the, the tricky part. It's a great answer. So with all you've accomplished, how would you define what it is you're seeking? I think what I'm seeking for, um, you know, I, I had a great professional soccer career. I'm, I'm super proud of the next chapter. I think a lot of athletes struggle from when they're done playing a professional sport into that next step. And I think I prepared myself the best I could because of the injury that was presented to me. I didn't have a choice, but I did have a choice to figure out what I was going to do with that. And so I'm really proud of, um, the work that I put in and the work that I'm doing. Um, I, I'm a mother now I'm a mother to three young girls. And when I say young, they're one, three, and four, and they're looking Mm. at me, I'm home with them all day, every day. They're, they're watching me every move that I make, every decision, my attitude, my energy, everything. (laughs) And I think for me right now, I want to be the best mother and role model I can be. I want to surround them by as many kick butt, strong, confident people I can to show them what it means to be um, confident and to be strong, especially being a woman. And I have a mixed family. And so it's really important for me that I have enough role models and show them, you know, what, who they, what they can be and that they can do anything. And that even being a mom, like there's so many working moms out there that are doing so many amazing things. And so I think that for me, what I'm seeking for is kind of that next chapter. I'm a mother. And now here in the Bay area, I'm part of a team putting together a women's professional soccer team here. And it's with my former teammates. Mm-hmm. We partnered with a bunch of tech companies out here. And, um, our, our goal is to have a team in 2023. And so my whole passion behind that is like, if my girls want to play professional soccer one day, maybe they will, maybe they won't, that they can play here in, in, in the Bay area. <laughs> they can have a team and they can get paid a lot of money to play soccer. And if that's my, you know, next chapter, that's my goal um, in the next 10 years and what I'm seeking to do, that's what I want to do. And I, and I feel really blessed to be part of that. What's the legacy you want to leave and why? Oh, legacy. Yes. My career is, you know, something special. And when I look back, like that's been a big part of my life. Right. But I think it's more about being a good person and, and how people are going to remember the way that I made them feel and what I'm actively trying to do to make this world a little bit better. So, um, I hope that whenever my time comes that, you know, people can remember, remember me as being a very positive, hardworking, um, kind person who is trying to make a difference. And, um, ultimately I, I hope that I can do those, continue to do those things, even if it's more at a micro level or, or macro, who knows what's in store, but just be surrounding, you know, people feel the way they felt around me and feeling just the energy and the good vibes. Um, because I think that I know that I'm attracted to people like that. And I know that I want to be around people that are always trying to do a little bit more and make this world a little bit better. And, and I think at the end of the day, that's, that's how I would hope that people would um, feel about me. 
So we're going to come back to that question of um, what is your greatest fear? I guess my greatest fear would be, and I, maybe I'm still trying to figure it out, but like I, I want, I've wanted to be a mom for so long and I love being a mom to three young girls and that's my day and I love it, but I still have, you know, ambitions and to do things. And, and I think it's a constant battle that probably, you know, a lot of women face is like, I want to continue doing these things, but I also want to be very present. Um, and so I don't know if it's necessarily a fear, Mm. but it's something I'm very conscious of. And I don't want to look back and ever regret, you know, the path I took. And so I'm just very conscious of it. And I'm very mindful of how I spend my days and making sure that when I'm with my girls, which is a lot, um, that I'm, I'm present and that I'm being the best mother and role model I can be. But also knowing that, you know, I have a lot more to give. And um, I, I just want to make sure that um, in 15 years from now that I look back and I have, you know, continued to um, be in a position where I have opportunities to continue to further whatever ambitions I want. Um, and so I, I guess I would say that it's not my biggest fear, but it's something that I'm just I'm constantly thinking about, you know. No, it was a great answer. So where can people find you on social media? My personal social media is Leslie Osborne 12. And then my, our sweat cosmetics, um, Instagram is at sweat cosmetics. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook, but yeah, just, um, there'll be more out on our women's professional team, hopefully in the next few months. And so just having the support there, but, um, yeah, follow me on Instagram. That's usually where I'm most active and trying to do my Twitter thing still, um, as well. So, uh, well, Leslie, it was an honor to have you on our show and thank you for your time today. Thanks so much, Jay, for having me. It was an honor to be on this show. That's going to do it for today's episodes of Stories of Strength. A big thank you to Leslie for joining us and sharing with us her story of strength. If you liked today's episode, be sure to follow, leave a review, and listen up for new episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Jay Cardiella, and this has been Stories of Strength, personal and inspirational tales that redefine strength, presented by MuscleTech.